Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our discipleship pastor, Adam Scott. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to church. You guys doing okay today? Awesome. I'm doing good, too. Thanks for asking. Hey, No, I'm very excited to be here. I absolutely love that I get to start every single week right here with you guys, worshiping the name of Jesus. Nowhere else I would rather be. Hey, I want to tell you some cool things that are going on at our church just so you can be even more excited about being here. Yesterday, we had an opportunity to, to partner with parents and pray a prayer of dedication over 10 babies in this church. How cool is that? 10 babies. If you grew up in church, maybe you went, grew up in a church where they would bring the babies forward and say, and you wonder why you don't ever see that here. That's because we actually do it in an entirely separate program, and we ask the parents to contribute to the program. And so they come in with a list of things they're praying for their child um, to develop and become. And man, it is just an absolutely powerful moment as we help these children take spiritual steps before they can even take physical steps. We also had uh, last weekend, a lot of our middle school students were missing from our service because they were off at North Georgia Christian Camp with Colby and Savannah. Man, they were learning how to grow closer to Jesus and closer to each other. And uh, if you see a middle school student running around, ask them about it, but set aside about 20 minutes to listen because they will talk your ear off about how great of an experience they had there. Listen, our college ministry, despite an all-out attack from COVID, which is how they started the semester, man, they are running strong, doing an incredible job. They're taking college students, many of which are only in our area for a season, and man, they are preparing them to be lifelong Christian-following missionaries wherever they go, and that's really, really exciting. You can clap for that. Community groups are running strong, man. I'm telling you, if you are not in a community group, you are missing out on the best part of Northridge. Absolutely incredible what's going on in there. And on top of all that, we're still riding a wave of kindness in this community where we are completely transforming the perception people have about who the church is and what they stand for. Man, I'm telling you, it is a great time to be a Northridge Christian. On top of all of that, we are still in one of my favorite series of the year, probably my favorite series up to this point. That series is called True North. And throughout this series, what we're trying to do is, is, is we're trying to figure out what it's going to take to follow Jesus in a world that doesn't. You see, we live in a world that's not really prioritizing following Jesus on a large scale. We've got a world full of people that are chasing after this, or they're chasing after that. And as a church, as a body of believers, we're committed to studying, to embracing Christ as our true north and living for him. Well, today we're gonna start the conversation by talking about the impact that sports has on our spiritual lives. Okay, now you may think I'm crazy, okay? But I want you to look around and see how many people are dressed up in sports gear, okay? We gave them one week's notice and we have never had this kind of participation on anything we have ever done before, okay? It's huge. Um, I wish I had a date for the, the um, blood drive. I would tell them about that right now and say, we need participation in everything. But it's, it's huge. I mean, sports play a huge part in our spiritual lives. You see, when you look around this room, you'll see people wearing red, and you'll see people wearing blue, and you'll see people wearing green, you'll see people wearing orange, and that's a good thing because it, 
It lets us know who we should be praying for, right? <laughs> they self-identify themselves so that we can begin praying for them. But, but, but our spiritual lives are impacted by this because statistically speaking, the prayer life of an average SEC fan, okay, average SEC fan increases by 942% in the fall. Do you know that? I made it up, but I mean, it sounds right, doesn't it? <laughs> I can definitely testify to that. I can think back two weeks ago to the Georgia-Clemson game, and I've been a Georgia fan long enough to know that the fourth quarter is where they like to hand victory to the team that they've been leading all game long. And so I was overwhelmed. You know, my kids were hiding from me because I was praying loudly and I was yelling a whole lot and I was passionately pursuing Jesus in that moment and he showed up and delivered, honored my passion, and Georgia got a victory over Clemson. Amen? It's a weird place for an applause, but I asked for it. It'll count. Listen, prayer may be an inevitable part of college football, but get this, it is an essential part of life. It's an essential part of life. You see, the truth is, I don't know if God has ever divinely intervened in a championship game before. I wish I did, but I, I don't know what kind of deal Nick Saban has made with him, okay? <laughs> There's definitely something going on there. But here's what I do know. I do know that he holds peace for today and answers for tomorrow. And the only way to experience life to the fullest is to hitch our ride to his wagon or to hitch our wagon to his ride through the power of prayer. Listen, we're gonna have a conversation about that today. If you wanna open your Bibles, you wanna make some highlights, we're gonna be in Leviticus chapter 24. And we're gonna talk about the power of prayer. Now, Leviticus is the third book of the Bible. And Leviticus is primarily known for two different things. It's primarily known first for the rules and, and guidelines and standards that God has for his people. And I mean, I'm telling you, it is an exhaustive list of those standards. But it's also known for something else. It's known as the place that goals to read through the Bible in a year go to die, okay? I don't know how many of you have ever tried to read through the Bible cover to cover, okay? Leviticus is where it often drops off. Sometimes it's a challenging uh, book for us to get through. But I want you to understand that buried in all the rules and the regulations that God had for people during that time period, man, we find this timeless principle that's modeled for us in a really, really powerful way. And that's where we're gonna camp out today. Leviticus chapter 24, verses 10 and 11. This is what it says. We're gonna throw it up here for you. Now, the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father, they went out among the Israelites and a fight broke out in the camp between him and an Israelite. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name with a curse. So they brought him to Moses. Now what's happening here is that there's this wrestling match happening between two individuals. And in the midst of this battle, one man, an Israelite, he blasphemes against God. What that means is not just that he cursed, but that he revealed a deep-seated irreverence and rebelliousness to God. In his anger, his words revealed the true nature of his heart. Let me ask you, in your anger, have you ever said something that you wish you could take back? Okay, I think we've all been there. When I was a kid, I learned profanity from movies like Home Alone, okay? Did you know that movie has cuss words in it? My parents did not, okay? So at four years old, I was out playing football with my dad, and I looked right at him and I said this, okay? This is very serious stuff. I looked at him and I said, you're a big horse's at, okay? That's what I told him, exactly like that. That's not censored. That's exactly what I said to him. Now, I want you to know it's divine intervention that I got the word wrong, because if I would got the word right, I would not be standing here today. He would have absolutely clobbered me and buried me in the ground right there. 
But even though the words that spilled out of my mouth, they were incorrect, they were wrong, they revealed the true feelings of my heart. You see, my four-year-old self fully believed that he was acting like one. These blasphemous words in this story, they spill out of the man's mouth, but get this, they flow out of his heart. There's something that, that revealed the true nature of where he is in his spiritual journey with God. So a lot of people, they hear this and, and they take this man to Moses. Moses is the leader who's been appointed by God to lead this people. You see, Moses is an important person. You see, he's the person that goes to God for the people and he goes to the people for God. What Moses says carries an enormous amount of weight because of his position, because of his authority, because of his influence, and because of his proximity to God. But get this, instead of using his voice to cast judgment on the situation, Moses does something completely surprising. This is the verse that I want you to read, think about, pray through, and spend some time with this week. Leviticus 24, 12, it says, they put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. You see, these people brought this person who has done something wrong to Moses. He was guilty. There was no doubt about it. They didn't need a trial. They didn't need to review the play. It was obvious what had happened. And at this moment, the only issue that's left on the table is what are we gonna do about him? What's his punishment gonna be? How are things gonna turn out for him? But instead of speaking into that situation, what they do is they step back and they choose to do nothing until they hear from God. You see, they arrested the problem until God's will could be made clear to them. Moses had the authority to choose, but get this, he had the wisdom to wait. Man, I don't want you to miss the power in this verse. You see, Moses, in his mind, as he thought about prayer, he didn't see prayer as a, as a stall tactic. He didn't see prayer as an afterthought or a supplement that you tack on to your spiritual problems. He didn't even see prayer as a religious obligation. See, what Moses saw was that prayer is an important and effective action step for every single believer. You see, Moses used prayer to invite God into his problem and ultimately to determine the outcome of it. I want you to write this down. Sermon in a sentence, prayer is the single greatest action step of the believer. Prayer is the single greatest action step of the believer. Prayer is a focused, forward-moving, all-out sprint towards the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Prayer is an intentional, necessary, and effective invitation to the one who carries eternity in his hands. So I want you to think for just a minute about the things in your life that you're wrestling with, the things that are pressing on your heart that are waiting for a response from you. The things that are waiting for you to cast a judgment, to, to cause a verdict to happen. Those things, I want you to think about those things for just a minute. You may be wrestling with, should I, should I change my major? Should I change my school? Should I drop out of school altogether? You may be wrestling with questions like, where should I live next year? Should I accept this position or should I wait on the next one? You may be asking big stuff like, God, I don't understand what's going on in my marriage and I'm trying to decide if I should even stay in this marriage. Listen, I want you to understand something this morning. 
You have the authority to choose the outcome of those situations, but you need to have the wisdom to wait on God. Not to go with your gut. Your responsibility as believers, my responsibility as a believer is to arrest the problem, to bring it to Jesus and allow him to speak into it. Listen, I believe that if we had the same faith that Moses had, I believe this would be a foregone conclusion. You see, Moses believed some things about prayer that influenced him in this way, that caused prayer in his mind to go from a supplement to a strategy in and of itself. And if we would understand those things that motivated that transformation in Moses, man, it would cause us to say about every issue that we face, I'm gonna surrender that to Jesus, I'm gonna arrest it, and I'm going to wait on him. Let's talk about those things that Moses understood about prayer. The first one is this, prayer anticipates a response. Prayer anticipates a response. When we pray, we don't hope for a response. When we pray, we don't wish for a response. When we pray, we anticipate that God is going to show up. You see, Moses didn't throw this person into prison expecting that he was gonna rot there. Instead, Moses threw this man into prison knowing that it was a temporary solution until God's will could be made known. This is what it says in verse 13 through 14 as God responds to their prayer. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head and the entire assembly is to stone him. What am I gonna do with that verse? <laughs> Listen, God's response, his judgment was that any person who is caught blaspheming against God should be stoned, they should be put to death. I bet you didn't know that was a possible response to your prayer life. Did you know that? God, my kids are driving me crazy. What should I do? Have you tried throwing things at them? <laughs> That's not a real good response. If you hear that response from God, as a matter of fact, I want you to set up a time to come meet with Mike so he could talk you out of that. We're gonna search you upon entry but we wanna talk you out of that. Listen, don't read too much into the response. It was a different time. God spoke in different ways. Instead, I want you to focus on the fact that Moses was certain he was going to get a response and he absolutely did. You see, when Moses turned this over to God, this didn't delay a solution. Instead, what it did was it provided a pathway to progress. I heard a story of a church and there was a particular bar in their community and, and they just believed that this bar was causing all sorts of evil things to happen in the community. And so they decided to come together as a church and, and pray that this bar would be um, done away with, that God would step in and do something to rid their county, their area of this bar. And so they held a, a prayer night and they came together and they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And all of a sudden the bar was struck by lightning, burned to the ground. The bar owner heard about what had happened and decided that they were gonna sue the church for causing this to happen. So they went to court and they started to battle it out. And the pastor stood up and he said, listen, I know we prayed about it. I'm not denying that, but none of us actually believed that anything was gonna happen. The judge sat back and laughed and he said, I can't believe what's sitting right in front of me. It's a pastor that doesn't believe in the power of prayer and a bar owner who does. Listen, <laughs> which one are we? When we ask for guidance, when we ask God for guidance and direction, when we ask God to move, do we believe, honestly, do we believe that he hears us? Do we believe that he loves us? Do we believe that he's capable? Do we believe that he's going to respond? You see, in the story that we just read, Moses got an answer in the very next verse. See, that could be 
concerning because sometimes it feels like it takes us a lot longer to hear from God, doesn't it? In Jewish writing, they sometimes skipped over the timeline for the sake of giving you the facts. I want you to know that we don't know in this story really whether it was days or weeks or months or even years that they prayed to God before they got a response, but God did show up. Listen, I don't know how long you've got to pray to get a response from God. It depends on your spiritual life. It depends on God's plans. It depends on the situation. But I want you to know that our job, our responsibility is to go to God over and over and over again. Are there decisions in your life that need to be made? Are there hurts that need to be addressed? Are there problems that need to be solved? Man, listen, church, don't stop praying. Pray until something happens and anticipate that God is going to show up. That's what Moses understood. Here's the second thing that Moses knew that he hung his hat on, is that prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. You see, Moses actually understood this better than anybody else in the Bible. You see, in the book of Exodus, Moses went up to the mountaintop and he was spending time face to face with God. And as he did that, he came down from the mountain. And the Bible tells us that his face was literally glowing from his time with God. He had been physically changed because of his time in the presence of God. You see, Moses understood that that time in God's presence transforms us in a big, powerful way. Even in this story, we learn that, that they pray to God and God transforms them so that they would be the ones who carry out his will. God spoke to the people and then he worked through the people. They were transformed by prayer to carry out his will. Listen, that's what prayer is. It's an invitation for God to come into our lives and transform us so that we can carry out his will and his desires in the world. Listen, a few years ago, I got this wallet, okay? Been carrying around this wallet for a long time. I had had one of those huge wallets, you know, that was causing me to sit funny like this. Decided it was time for something new. I got this little minimalist wallet and this wallet came with instructions. Have you ever bought a wallet that came with instructions? Yeah, the weirdest thing in the world. But what it said was that you were supposed to soak the wallet in warm water for 10 minutes. And then I was supposed to take all the cards that I carry in this wallet and I was supposed to fill it up. And then I was supposed to just leave it and let it sit until it dried out. And all of a sudden, this wallet would adjust. It would mold itself to my specifications. You see, what would have happened if I had come home and I had put all your cards in it? The number of cards that you wanted to carry. See, it would have adjusted and molded to your specifications instead of mine. Listen, it's the same way with Christianity. If you are exposed to the world and only the world, you are going to adjust and mold to the world's standards. But if you expose yourself to God by a a prayer life that's consistent and passionate, by a prayer life that you hold on to like Moses held on to his, and all of a sudden your life is gonna be changed. You're gonna be molded. You're gonna be shaped. You're gonna be adjusted to reflect God's priorities in your life. Pastor and author Andy Stanley, he says it this way. He says, prayer is not about convincing God to do our bidding, but allowing him to move us to the place where we are willing to do his. Isn't that powerful? Do you know the average person speaks 34,000 words in a day? 34,000 words in a day. From my experience, if you're a middle child, that number goes way up, okay? Talk a whole lot more than that. But that's half a book every single day. The question we need to wrestle with is if we're talking half a book an entire day, is there even a page of dialogue with God? Because that page of dialogue with God is what's going to transform us into the person that God needs us to be. Prayer as a priority will change us. Prayer as an afterthought won't. Which one are we living our lives for? 
Here's the third and final thing that Moses understood about prayer that we need to embrace in our world today so that we can take prayer from a supplement to a strategy. Prayer is personal and communal. Prayer is personal and communal. Let's go back to Leviticus chapter 24, verse 12. It says, they put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. You see, this is a communal thing. Prayer is personal, but it's also communal. Listen, it can and should happen in private a lot. You should have an incredible private prayer life. But if your prayer life is only private, you are missing out on one of the greatest aspects of prayer that you could possibly experience. There's something powerful that happens when we bring our prayers together as a body of believers and lift them up in unity to God. Mike read um, the Lord's Prayer just a little while ago. I love looking at the Lord's Prayer because the disciples went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And the disciples have been praying for a long time. I love the fact that there's a learning curve with prayer. See, they looked at Jesus and they said, there's something about the quantity and quality of your prayers that I need to learn from. And so they spent time with him and they said, can you just teach us how to do what you're doing? And, and this is what Jesus gave them to pray. And I want you to see something powerful in this prayer. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do you see the pattern here? It's not rocket science, is it? Praying together in unity is an important part of the puzzle. Let me tell you something. I was talking to somebody on the praise team just a little while ago. And man, last week we came together as a worship team. We prayed over an issue in their life. We prayed about that same issue in our staff meeting. We prayed together as a group of elders. And let me tell you something. It was the very next day after that that I got a text that said, God has worked this problem out. God showed up. It's not because we fought hard enough for it. It's because as a community of believers, we united around this prayer for God to show up and God to move. Listen, where are you engaging in prayer through community? After you arrest a thought, after you arrest a feeling, after you arrest a situation, where are you going to take it so that you can petition God to show up in a powerful way? Maybe it's your family. Listen, our, our college pastor has been battling. We've told you about that through COVID and, and he's, he's doing a lot better right now. Still got a long road to go. I want you to know as soon as this started to happen, I went straight to my family and I said, family, we need to pray. And before our mealtime, we prayed together. That was a community that I prayed with. Our community group. Man, I love my community group. We had an opportunity yesterday. I was able to sit with somebody in my community group and pray over that family. Listen, we prayed together as a community of believers. You need a community that you can take your petitions to, that you can pray in unity for. Listen, Moses trusted in the power of prayer because he understood the power of prayer. Prayer is the greatest action step of the believer. Is it the priority in your life? See, I don't know what this message is designed to do for you today. Maybe it's gonna re-energize your prayer life. Maybe you've had a prayer life like that before, but you've just kind of let it slip and it hasn't been a priority for you lately. Maybe the purpose of this story is to help you understand that, man, you have got to make this your everything. Maybe the purpose of this story for you is to launch you into a prayer life like you've never had before. 
Maybe this is brand new territory to you. Maybe you thought prayer was something that you had to do with big flowery words and um, you had to do it in this crazy, no, 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 you're just talking to God. Maybe the goal of this story is just to teach you that, man, you can embrace this right here and right now and it is gonna change the way you experience God and the way you interact with the world. Listen, what I want us to do right now is I want us to spend some time silently praying together as a community. See, this is how we're gonna respond. To start things off right now, we're gonna spend some time in communion. And communion is essentially a time for us to remember everything that Jesus has given to us. What I want for you is during these few moments, while it's quiet, everybody around you is praying, I want you to think about what it is you need to give to God. Is there something in your life that you're holding on to? Man, surrender that, arrest it and give it to God. And in the next few moments, as we focus on the cross and what he's done for us, I want you to let him speak into that and begin to work in your life through it. I'm gonna pray. Communion's available at all these stations. You can go through and take it whenever you feel led. We're gonna have a video that's gonna come up afterwards and then we'll jump back into a couple more things. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We are so thankful that we have an opportunity to come to you to speak to you about the things that are bothering us. God, the things that are on our heart. We don't have to be the experts. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to have all the right answers. We just have to know the one who does. So God, I pray in our lives right now, God, I pray that you challenge us to arrest the things that are going on around us and to just simply bring them to you. Not to become overwhelmed, not to become discouraged, but just to trust that you can and will move in every one of these situations. Lord, as we take communion, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus and all that's been done for us. We're gonna respond to that by giving these situations to you and trusting you to move. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.